The information provided on this podcast is intended to be educational and informational only and is not considered to be formal legal advice. The listener should not take or refrain from taking action based on its content. Any listener in need of legal opinion upon which to rely in decision-making should consider formally engaging an attorney to review relevant facts in detail and examine the pertinent law as it applies to those facts. Welcome to Real Estate Milestones, where we explore fascinating topics in commercial real estate with knowledgeable industry experts. I'm your host, Ben Malik, and I'm a young real estate professional who is passionate about adding value to people's lives through the incredible power of real estate. My goal is to help you discover what the heck is going on in the industry and how you can get involved. This is Real Estate Milestones, where your future in real estate lies just around the corner. Hello, everyone. This is Ben Malik coming from New Orleans. It's the first podcast episode recorded in New Orleans. Today, we have Dan Krizanowski, and he's an active capital raiser, equity owner, and passive investor, generating double-digit yields and lower taxes via commercial real estate. Dan's investment portfolio includes 2,600-plus storage units and 1,500-plus multifamily doors and dozens of industrial infrastructure and residential properties. Dan has personally raised millions of dollars for accredited, accredited investors and family offices and empowered his partners to raise seven figures on, on multiple occasions. Dan is the founder, the founding vice president at Rocket Dollar, unlocking the 10 trillion pool of untapped retirement assets for the alternative investment community. He previously, he previously led the commercial real estate initiatives for GE Capital in Mexico and South America. Dan's superpowers include self-storage, self-directed IRAs, solo 401ks, SD IRAs, and Scranton and Scranton VA. Um, so Dan, uh, you started your journey from Wall Street. And could you tell me how you've um, come to, to this field from there? Yeah. And first, thank you for the kind intro. Great to be back in New Orleans. Uh, it's one of the few days it's not sunny in Austin, Texas. So I'm inside. And as a thank you, I'm wearing hopefully the Tulane green, uh, which is, there you go. Beautiful. We match. I knew it happened. So, yeah, you know, I, I grew up in Scranton, PA, and, and just, uh, I think, right place, right time. You know, my math is simple. I finished UPenn in, in the class of 2000. So my only political bite I'll share is that I grew up on the same Little League field as Biden, and then I rode with Trump Jr. at UPenn. So, uh, you know, I don't think any of us are in the Olympics. I'll put it that way. But we all have had interesting uh, sort of careers. You know, with that as a background, uh, for me, real simple, you know, I, Graduating in 2000, highlight, of course, was doing Mardi Gras uh, my senior year. Uh, so thank you all for that. And I, you know, Merrill Lynch, very common. I was on the trading desk, uh, you know, preferred that to banking, enjoyed, frankly, a life in New York City during those times. Um, my product, I joke, if I did what I did on the debt side, we'd be on my island right now. But, uh, you know, our, my product slowly became commoditized. So, you know, I guess what they say, good for the soul, not the pocketbook, because it would have been a, a serious contributor to the financial crisis. Uh, you know, with that, uh, trading is such a unique sort of animal, but it doesn't really give you the broad insight for what's going on, at least, you know, picking up errands or the Wall Street Journal. And at the time, once again, mid 2000s, uh, GE was still the top company in the world, which might be tough for you. And know your generation to believe but it was and i had a great experience kind of at the tail end of the six sigma the beginning of the uh i would say the newer uh, ge and kind of what it became with all the spin-offs but 
great experience that took me uh, through the Americas, uh, learning something as close to warehousing and storage that I tend to focus on I'm interested in today. And, you know, finally, where did it lead me after about 30, 30 plus years of life? Well, in Connecticut, you know, either doing the short commute or reverse commute with an eight month winter and everything else. And, you know, being that I had a taste of Austin before I, I had that gut feel to say, you know, let, let's check it out again. And, uh, came down on a weekend in March and, you know, gave G my notice. And that what I would say going back over 10 years now was the beginning to your, to my entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. Awesome. And I really love Austin. That's one of the, I think it's the only place in Texas that I've gotten a pleasure to go so far and beautiful, super quirky and fun city. So I recommend it. Um, before we get into your real estate milestones, I'd like to, um, ask about your, your first investment or your first alternative investment rather. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, let's hear about it. As I have a little Darth Vader. So I'm here at Capital Factory, the home of Austin startups, and this was printed on a nice little 3d thing. So, uh, but you know, this is kind of the sign of how good my uh, initial investments went. I went with my (laughs) father and, uh, you know, we could have choose Yahoo in the mid nineties. We choose service merchandise, which, uh, you know, I joke, even Radio Shack had a good commercial, I think, uh, you know, a few years later. But my first alt investment was actually a comedy tour. So <laughs> you guys can all laugh with me because uh, I remember sitting there with my wife and saying, hey, sweetheart, you know, these might be thousand dollar tickets, a.k.a. this might be a, you know, a write off. And, you know, lo and behold, uh, that's what happened. It, it seemed great at the time. We had a great time, but it was not uh, when I'm looking back now. Uh, it wasn't asset based such as real estate, and there really wasn't a team much like you'd see in the startup world per se. So, like anything, uh, when you have an interest, a, I like to use the analogy like versus trust. It's great to have a bunch of likes, but trust is when the money moves. And I think similar to when you have an interest or when you really want to uh, get your feet wet, uh, you know, when the money moves, you take it a lot more seriously. So, with that, uh, it was a real world MBA, as I say. Fortunately, that was not that big, and I had a similar one in real estate uh, a few years later. But uh, sometimes that's the part of it. I think now it's especially, uh, you know, Ben. We were at the same place this past weekend. There's great mentorship. There's a lot of that that wasn't out there. I mean, my first alt investment was even before uh, the Jobs Act, before crowdfunding. So, but at the same time, great learnings to have. And I feel now, uh, in hindsight, I've you know maybe five or ten years above folks coming on the scene now. Yeah, just to mention what um, he was mentioning, uh, we were at IREC, or the Inve- Intelligent Investors Real Estate Conference. So shout out to Hunter and all, everyone who made that a great experience. And I um, met a lot of great people like Dan, and I'm excited to bring a bunch of them onto the show in the, in the near future. So Dan, um, what was your first milestone in real estate? Yeah, this is a good one. And I think... Uh, you know, I know there's a lot of your peers listening and, you know, maybe some folks that have been corporate that finally after 20, 25, 30 years are thinking of stepping out. Uh, I was co-best men in a wedding uh, for all of Pete Davidson fans out there. This was uh, on Staten Island. It was the coldest day and shortest day of the year. Uh, the other gentleman that I didn't meet, but I, I wore a little powder blue because he was a North Carolina guy and uh, asked him what he did. And he said, flip houses. I said, yeah, okay. He said, 15%. Well, my ears really perked up. And then he said, did you know you can use your retirement dollars? And for me, this is kind of when, you know, the big light bulb went off. So, you know, in short, like anything, and I, I did my diligence, put a relatively, I'd say, smaller check, but in short time, it paid off. 
Uh, and then thereafter I had another check and then I talked to my family. So the proof point was there and I appreciate investments uh, that could show that particularly to initial investors, whether it's the first, you know, ideally in the first month or three months to show that you get that, uh, that return, not just of capital, but also of interest, uh, which is fantastic. So that was my first experience. And it actually kind of concurrently led me to the self-directed world. I know a lot of folks, it's usually you hear of an investment, you invest for a while. Maybe folks of your generation are coming through crowdfunding multiple years. I had the benefit of having what I consider a good decade plus of IRA money that, frankly, I did not want out in the Fidelity Year 2050 fund. I felt there was much more you know, A, return that I can do myself, even in a bullish stock market, which I found true. And then B, uh, in some aspects that you're greatly impacting and benefiting uh, smaller entrepreneurs uh, and those in your community. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And I, I really like that. Um, before we get into a little bit more about the self-directed IRA, I wanted to know what your most recent milestone in real estate was. Yeah, uh, this is a good one. So when I uh, came to Austin, the second company I was with uh, was called Sparefoot. Uh Great founders, great story. It was actually, as I said, in Capital Factory, I'd say the, the first big win of Capital Factory. And even then I had a little bit of gray hair. So I was brought on to uh, stand up our account management division. The net benefit here was uh, there was four publicly traded REITs at the time in the next top hundred. I really got to know all the C, you know, all the CXO, CEO, CMO, COs in the space. Uh, and coincidentally, who I felt were, were best to breed on the operation marketing side, they went on their own about six years ago. Fast forward to the end of 2021, uh, a gentleman who I consider a good friend and mentor, he sold uh, a fair amount of his portfolio for nine figures. So what was great about that? Uh, yes, obviously, I, as I said, the whole like versus trust, there was a lot of trust from day one. I was in deal one, deal two, deal three. And why that was nice, because, you know, deals seven, eight, nine, ten down the road, you and other folks probably didn't hear because it, it was one text message, one email. And I share that as a side note with any who you feel is a top sponsor, best to breed in terms of competence and character real estate shops. It, there is a benefit of putting, uh, you know, a chip in early. Uh, so you're part of, you know, the members only club. And that's the way it works, to be honest with you. Uh, the other thing, too, which is which is great is I was able to evangelize storage. I know it's kind of front page, you know, the, the new sexy thing, but it wasn't, uh, especially five, eight years ago. Um, I, I find it fascinating. I know for some folks, it's like Legos where you put your crap as, you know, my mom would say, but in reality, uh, we can talk more on later. I, I do think it's a real dynamic asset class, but final point, is, which I think is because of just sharing my story, picture if you and I were talking five years ago, a gentleman, uh, you know, early in his career invested in one of these properties based on uh, what I shared about my relationship, not just my returns. And this deal went 3x in about two years. Not saying every deal does that, uh, but the net benefit here was that he was able to put it uh, on a down payment for a house, much easier said than done in Austin, especially early in your career, strictly based off of this investment. So for me, uh, and there's been many stories uh, like that within this sort of broad relationship and this uh, portfolio sale over time that has really impacted folks' lives. Yeah, that's really that's really awesome and um super powerful and I would love to get into so to more of that. I mean, I guess I we've heard a little bit about self storage this weekend and I've read a lot of the 
<clears throat> I've read a lot of the um, news articles and I've just, I'm super into real estate. So I, I read about as many alternative alternative investments as I can. But um, something that really stuck with me was that um, you get really fast turnover in terms of increasing rent. So it's a kind of a good play or it could be a good play, you know, inflationary environment. And um, can you tell me a little bit more about that? Do you share that opinion? Yeah, I mean, storage, even let's assume, you know, 40% of the world's money was not printed the last two years. There was no global pandemic, et cetera, et cetera. Stock markets even went up and down kind of on a normal-ish basis instead of a big bull market. Even with that, or AKA let's rewind, you know, eight to 10 years or even 15 years before that, one out of 10 Americans were using storage or have touched storage. And that number is probably one of eight, you know, maybe one of six, one of seven in certain submarkets. Uh, because of that, a lot of us have consumed storage. Uh, why is that? You know, some of it you can say is just the American culture. I have my bikes back from 1980. You know, it's funny. Some of the guys who are the meccas in storage just say, you know, be smart with your money, et cetera. I like to joke, like, you still have your dirt bikes in Arizona from 1982 and same storage place for 40 years. Uh, so there's stories like that. There's other great things, you know, for my friends from New York City. Um, I think you take, you know, the 456 train up, up there in the Bronx and I'm not joking when I think there were some Picassos in storage sitting there, uh, you know, when I toured and this was one of our clients at the time. So those are just some fun things. But I think fast forward to the reality we have today, uh, and this will be relevant, especially, you know, Ben, as you and your colleagues graduate, is that do you want to feel like a hoarder? No, you want your space. You want to, you know, kind of look clean and crisp. But you also need stuff, not just stuff that you would want, but need. So, you know, great analogy. I call it the skis. Uh, versus the snowboard and then as you get older it's the christmas tree or the hanukkah tree versus you know pick whatever you want to throw out there in the summer but also what i'm seeing is uh essentials so not just stuff that you want it's stuff that you need what do i mean by that uh, your tax forms uh, your children's winter clothes so i, I do think uh, and no surprise i mean you know the residential market probably better than me is that that extra bedroom whether you're renting or buying is probably going to cost you at least a thousand a month Whereas a storage unit or upgrading your storage for more size is probably going to be 50 or 100. So I think that delta alone, uh, being that so many, let's just say one out of 10 folks have touch storage, uh, now that they truly need it, uh, I, I do think there's some meat on the bone still in storage. Yeah, that's a, I think that's an incredible point, especially if rents are going to keep rising and housing, uh, all, you know, housing prices are going to keep rising. And, um, you know, people can no longer afford to just have an extra bedroom to keep their stuff where maybe they want to downsize to a one bedroom from a two bedroom and put the, the stuff they're storing in that second bedroom into storage where um, maybe even a, what, what sounds like you're saying, like a tenth of the, the, the rent per month. Yeah, and I think you're I mean, you know, your parents generation probably closer in age it's to me. It's I mean, COVID is a great example where folks want that permanent. Uh, office space or that bedroom is now permanently something else or it is going to be a permanent guest room that you 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 know you can't just use it as a storage space basically so so with that uh, i do think there's more of a need and a final point with people coming to the sunbelt even if you live in a nice class a multifamily renting uh the storage units they have on site a there there's not too many i mean at best case you'll say maybe 20, and these are your typical high doors for 400 units, and they're not air conditioned. Uh, and as you know, in the South, things get a little, a little sticky, a little quick. So uh, paying for that AC 
uh, is a pretty good benefit. And uh, most things that are newly developed in storage, especially in in uh, in the south, are going to be air conditioning. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's that sounds good. Um, so and yeah, New Orleans is pretty hot. So I know what you're saying. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about uh, self-directed IRAs. I mean, I've heard of IRAs from for a long time since um, you know everyone's like got a plan for retirement. Make sure there's uh, you know you have a I guess a plan for going forward. But um, I mean I'm 20 and I'm sure even people who are a little older than me older than me are still at the beginning of their planning in terms of their real estate and their <clears throat> and their investments and whatnot. So I wanted to have a two-part question. So first of all, what are some of the advantages of a self-directed IRA over some of the traditional things that people are quite familiar with? And also, what should I be thinking about as someone at the beginning in terms of knowing that I want to be in some alternative investments in the future? How should I go forward to kind of plan to make sure I'm able to invest in real estate and syndications and things in the future? Yeah, I mean, these these are dynamite questions. And uh, for folks here, I'll touch on a few things that I know is going to resonate. We might not get into the deepest detail on all of them. So, you know, friends that are listening and thank you for your time, please reach out to me directly on LinkedIn, you know, mention that you heard it, uh, you know, with Ben and myself today, which will give me some great context. So high level self-directed IRAs, first I'll preface, they're legal. They've been around from the seventies. You know, when you get to know them, you kind of, it's kind of like me, when you get to know them, you kind of like them, but you know, a little old, little stodgy, uh, wasn't really country club cool to talk about. I'll put it that way. Now that said, uh, you, you know, the great advantage, I preface all that a little tongue in cheek is because uh, a fair number of politicians and stuff, I'd say, uh, you know, your great, uh, one of our avatars, the Midwest doctor has taken great advantage of this as a passive investor. Uh, you know, whether it's into land, a rental house, you know, the I think the simple thing for this audience is going to be your multifamily syndication is something that's going to resonate with them, which could also be storage, industrial, you name it. But I'd say, you know, particularly for your parents, friends, and say our gray hair generation on the call here, Gen Xers and above, it is very likely, as I shared my career story, that we worked corporate, you know, maybe much longer than we wanted to, but a decade, two decades uh, for folks in the military. It's they had a TSP beforehand. I share all this because uh, your old 401ks, I say that generically, your TSP, et cetera, any and all of these accounts can be rolled into a self-directed IRA. And it's capital S, capital D, not because you're self-directing and you're your W-2 jobs portal and you have 10 choices. This is where the world is really open to you. And I I do want to take a moment uh, to highlight what you cannot do. Uh, It's kind of nice, the IRS. So no life insurance, uh, no collectibles. And the big thing is not yourself or your linear family. So Ben, this is a great example where, you know, for example, um, your dad could not buy a flat that you would live at during your time at Tulane. Or, you know, when you have your great startup ID, unfortunately, you know, they would not be able to put in there. So those are just in this linear, you know, kids, parents, grandparents, uh, oddly enough, brothers and sisters are not, but you can't give your brother and sister a sweetheart deal vis-a-vis other investors. Uh, so that's just a very high level of how this works. And I would say most folks, particularly uh, 40 and above, you should A, at least be aware and B, I would consider it. And a final point, why, particularly if you're in the typical 60-40 stock bond, let's say for our listeners out there that are 40, 
your 40% in bonds is basically making zero. And that's not even, we won't even go into inflation now. Whereas, you know, Ben, as you shared with the audience before, there's many real estate that just from the PREF alone is going to be six to 8%. So, you know, in terms of just allocation, there's some benefit there. If you think real estate's less risky than stocks, you're even reducing your risk. All of this can be done. I just want to reiterate for folks, it's been around forever. It's legal. It's based, a lot of politicians have a self-directed IRA. It's probably not going anywhere. It's something that I would strongly suggest looking into. Uh, for education alone, I'm sure this will be in the call notes, but rocketdollar.com slash learn is a great way to learn about this. Yeah, and um, I'm definitely super interested in in this idea um, and, and in self-directed IRAs because, um, I mean, I'm all in the stock market and it's kind of hard to sleep at night sometimes nowadays. And um, I really just, you know, I, I don't need to have, I don't need to chase 20x every year returns like how, I mean, I've been pretty fortunate in Tesla in the past few years, but um, I mean, no complaints there. But um, yeah, I'm, I'd be perfectly satisfied with 50% a year for the rest of my life. And that'd be Plenty and, and probably by 40, I, I won't, need, won't even need to work just having a you know good investment with someone I trust like that. Um, I mean, I definitely want to work, but I'm um, not saying that that's my goal is not to work. But there's, um, there, there's a lot of options in real estate. And I think it's overlooked by some people who, you know, there might be not be savvy investors that might be more focused on their, you know, income that they're, they're, work, they're working for. But, um, you know, there's a lot of options out there for, for people who, um, you know. I want to be your second question, which I think resonates, you know, particularly for folks coming out of school that may be uh, self-employed or choose to be self-employed, meaning you have a 1099, you're your own one man or one woman shop out there. Or for couples that get married early, you get married uh, without W-2s in your business. And there's something called the solo 401k, also known as the individual 401k. Why I like this, regardless of your age and your sphere, is the tremendous benefits you get. So right off the bat, and Ben, let's assume as you guys are all rocks, let's say um, you're realtor rock stars out here. You know, but what a lot of folks don't know, there's 1.3 million realtors in the U.S. and growing. Everyone is a 1099, or you know, the structure is common, a 1099. What does that mean? Is that you are self-employed. So right off the bat, much like your W-2 friends, you can contribute 19,500. If you're over 50, add 6,000 to that. Okay. So right now you're basically on par with your buddy that works for, you know, I'll say Dell, I'm here in Austin with that 19.5. Your buddy at Dell, at least in terms of his work, he's not contributing anymore. He's going to pay taxes on the rest of that. Um, and he's probably making, you know, let's say 200K at Dell. So he's not going to qualify for a Roth. He can still put six or 7K in a self, in an IRA or self-directed IRA, but he's capped there. Whereas in the solo 401k land, you have the 19.5. In addition, you can do 20% of your net earnings. So let's say basic example, realtor makes 100k, the 19.5, 20% of the 100 is 20, roughly 40,000 there, you're contributing, you're lowering your tax basis, your AGI drop goes from 100 to 60 in our very basic example here to pay taxes on. Now, let's say you have a rock star year. Let's say our young couple, uh, right off the bat, many folks, that 19.5 times two, the first 39,000. And then, you know, realtors can have some good years these times. Let's say they make three, 400,000. You know, based off this equation, you're looking at, you know, anywhere kind of in the 120 range that you can lower the AGI by. So this is pretty powerful. And then once the account is funded, what can you do? Once again, passive investing, you want to go in Bitcoin, you can do that. 
you want to buy a smaller rental house, you can do that. Once again, you cannot stay in it. I'll caveat that. Uh, your friend that you met at school lives overseas and has a startup in Mexico. You can invest in that. I just want to be clear. You can also invest in internationally. Uh, it, you know, for, for our older folks on the call, you know, pass on grass, you know, the De Niro line and uh, meet the fuckers. Uh, Cannabis is one thing that the plant itself, there hasn't been a federal sort of ruling. So a lot of uh, companies in the self-directed world will, you know, may not give the green light or may not uh, support that sort of investment per se, but everything else is in play. And it's very powerful. And final thing I would say too, and this might be, you know, much more impactful, I say about donating versus investing, Ben, as you guys graduate, your friends are going to have different, probably, you know, one's going to open a brewery. Hey. You know, that could be a 10 Xer. Uh, at the same time, you know, a loan, I, I, get, I have loans to female entrepreneurs and I found it very impactful, uh, particularly, you know, as I said, the whole donation versus investing, I find it much more impacting to invest, say, on the other side of the tracks, uh, because what you see is that money that gets, uh, you know, kind of recycled three, four, five times over. Now, once again, I might not have this money liquid, even if I'm 40 something years old, you know, my guess is I don't you know, a lot of your parents, friends listening on the call, probably have a bunch of kids at Tulane. You know, I went to UPenn elsewhere. Liquidity might not be the bucket they can tap into, but from working at, say, a GE for 30 years, they can tap into that and they can roll that, being that they're self-employed now, into a solo 401k. That's the way that this whole world sort of works. And final point I'll share is with either of these accounts, however, whenever you open them, however you fund them, you're still maintaining all the tax benefits of a pre-tax traditional or a Roth, which, you know, Peter Thiel jokes aside, you're paying on the little seed and not, you know, the big tree of what it could become. Yeah, definitely. That sounds um, very awesome. And I guess, I don't know if you can get too much into this, but something that I've just been curious is um, I've been hearing about the the Roth conversion. I know a lot of people might have some, uh, you know, regular traditional IRAs and I'm trying to explain to my mom what the, the Roth conversion was and it uh, wasn't really catching because I'm, I'm no expert, but um. <laughs> I mean, I know that when you get into a Roth that um, you get, you, you pay the tax up front and not later, but I know if you're in real estate, there's other ways to reduce your income. So when you go into the Roth, there's not um, a, or you not, you don't even have to pay any taxes from, from the offsets of your gains. So, I mean, I know the strategies like that, but can you just let, briefly give us a little bit um, about sure. that? Yeah. Um, so high level, you did, you did share well, is the Roth is post-tax money. So the way I like to say it at the, you know, I feel the most broadest basic level is the IRS will take your money sooner than later if you want it to give to the IRS. Okay. Uh, how can you do that? Once again, if you're under a certain income level, you know, the six-ish, maybe seven a year you can do. But, you know, talking in some of these larger numbers, I think what folks want is a Roth conversion, which is different than contributing. Now, the contributing, once again, is, is the single digits. Uh, the, the conversion at the moment, uh, and there, there's been different discussions, you know, when your account hits 10 million or 5 million. But, you know, for most folks, I think listening here, let's say you have a half a million. Uh, you worked at GE, your big company all these years. Uh, you feel really good about, you know, Ben, your first deal that you're going to bring. You know, so uh, I want to pay on the 100K today, not, you know, the million dollars this will become in 20 years. I can do that conversion within a solo 401k. It's literally a click of the button. It goes from a checking account that's in your pre-tax into your post-tax. Now, come tax time, your AGI, you are going to pay up on that extra sort of 100K. 
very similar. You can do that in self-directed IRA land. There's a pre-tax and a post-tax IRA, two unique accounts, but you can do that conversion. Uh, in terms of backdoor Roth and such, I, I that might be for a different call to go into deeper, and I would refer folks to the Rocket Dollar Knowledge Base. But yeah, I mean, in short, like anything, as you do have a fair amount of money and consistent uh, cash flow coming in, you could be a little creative on ways to do it, especially if you're tied in or uh, with a charity or of interest. Uh, I call it very generically the triple trust. Uh, but some of my colleagues out there that are highly sophisticated in this, you know, look to bring your your tax percentage rate sub 10%. That's it. It goes through a few trusts, a few other things. One of it is charity-based. But for some folks, that falls into kind of their strategy and their mindset and what they want to do with their money and their time. Uh, but, you know, bringing it back to elementary once again, it's uh, the conversion is great because you can, as much or as little as you want to pay on this year, effectively you could up your AGI. And then on the back end, when you take it out, there's no taxes. Yeah, you're, I appreciate that um, that explanation. And, and I'm sure people will, will want to learn more in some more detail. So um, it's a good start. And um, before we get into our, our lightning round, I wanted to just see, since you're, um, you know, I, I think that you're an expert in alternative investing and in, in in real estate, um, um, I'm not sure if you, <laughs> I, I think that you might consider yourself one too, but if you could tell us um, a few trends that you are thinking about it going into 2022, what you think might be, where we might be going in terms of, um, yeah, different different investments and in, in, um, maybe some of the more niche real estate. Sure. I mean, till the day I die or until proven otherwise, I, I will always consider self-storage a solid asset. And I'm not saying that a blanket statement, but in certain submarkets with certain operators, absolutely. Uh, I think industrial, particularly here in Texas, because I see it every day. And I know industrial is a little tougher to picture, but as you referred to earlier, it, it's your last mile, it's your distribution centers. Uh, I, I can also spread it out to see, you know, where they make the widget, an industrial park campus. Uh, you know, think of a one of the properties that we have is, is I call it a, a mini Fort Knox that's on the El Paso border and there's billions of dollars inside. Uh, it's Department of Defense certified. And then on the flip side of that, a showroom where the tradesmen are going to go, not like a Home Depot, but a true where folks that are in the trade looking, purchasing big bulky, you know, call it ugly, call it for what it is. Uh, but there's a lot, there's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot more growing there. Uh, as we move more to a last mile sort of world, I think that's going to be extremely helpful. Uh, you know, separately, just for fun, I said, I'm beautiful capital factory here. I, I do about 50 mentor calls a year. One thing, and this actually came at my last call, you know, pre Christmas cause I say, and uh, uh, natural disasters. And uh, I share this at a family office show. I, I, I'm not being political in any way, shape or form, but, you know, they do occur. I don't know why or how or how many more this and that. But I think one thing both sides of the aisle could could think to is, uh you know, is there a better sort of potentially more comfortable response, uh, both for disasters? You can argue some of our military bases, and there's a company, a gentleman here that I that I spoke with, and uh, the best, as I can say, is instead of just you know a big metal container that people might have to live in or do stuff, and it's you know it's big, it's bulky, it's tough to get there. Almost picture like you're in a video game that something can come with a drone. Go, it feels like you're in a smart home. Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of, I think, upside as things go. So that's just an example. So I do share with folks, uh, you know, to have the liberty of time and do mentor and such. 
I always find it more exciting myself. Uh, I'd love to give advice, but also knowing that a check could be written. Uh, for me, I think that's, uh, you know, as gives me a little credibility as a well-rounded alternative investor. Yeah, awesome. And, and another one that I'm hoping to bring an expert on this uh, on a show soon, but um, my, my parents got an RV or my mom has an RV. And um, I know that there's a lot of trends going there in, in the real estate side with some some storage and whatnot. And, uh, have you thought of that at all? Yeah, so it's funny with our, even pre-COVID with uh, RV parks, uh, as I said, every deal is a little bit different and situation is different. Uh, yeah, I do feel it's going to be commonplace. Uh, I know one buddy, he had a tough time making it profitable. So one thing I would say, um, you can see this down to the residential, is folks, particularly say if it's your first two-plex, four-plex, you're going to want to manage it yourself, et cetera. That's great. You're going to learn a lot. But it might not be super profitable. Um, and then when you're getting something like RV parks, storage, et cetera, I always uh, remind folks to think of the bistro versus restaurant analogy. What do I mean? Well, the bistro only has so many tables. You know what I mean? And most likely you're the owner, you're going to enjoy being there, et cetera. Whereas the restaurant is, you know, a whole lot of chairs or a lot more tickets per day that comes through. So I share that because, uh, and in many instances, payroll is the largest for either scenario. So, and I think if you're coming new to RV or any of these asset classes for the first time, it's a delicate balance of how big do I go without having the personal experience or knowing who to hire. Uh, and if you go too small, you're the one working for $10 an hour. If you go too big, it's like going to the largest poker table in Vegas. You're like, oh boy, like I, <laughs> I can only have yeah. a few hands and I better win one of them up here, uh, you know, so I can play a little bit longer. Yeah, that's a good analogy. I'm sure a lot of us will love that. So let's go into the lightning round. Right. Um, cool. So if you could have any superpower, what would you want? Uh, that everybody would be bluntly honest and empathetic that I talk to. Nice. Cool. That's that's a, that's a new one. I got a lot of super speed and then um, super and flying, but uh, <laughs> perfect. So what's your favorite book or what's the one that's helped you most in your career or your, your life? Oh boy. I, I, I read actually three books on the flight home yesterday and the one was so good that I can't, of course, remember the title. Uh, it happens right now. Cause this is, this was kind of a good one uh, because this was shared and I, I did sneak and read in the Kindle uh, getting the money, the simple system for getting private money for your real estate deals by Susan Lassiter Lyons uh, was recommended by a few folks on stage this week. And I did sneak a few read a few chapters in the Kindle. So what motivates you each day? Yeah. I mean, I'm a father. My son is, is fantastic. Uh, I, I think as a parent, yes, you, you do need the basics of, of, uh, you know, food and shelter, uh, but also of, of opportunity. Uh, no, not meaning, you know, to buy things that we have to put in self-storage, but legitimate, you know, opportunity uh, and also being wise enough for your time for experience. So, right. My, my thing with my son is big into experiential things that we can do together. That's age appropriate over time. And to the extent that he can set the agenda uh, and even though he's, he's still five have, you know, some awareness of uh, you know, the budget, or what it goes in for a small bit. So he loves pho, the soup, you know, the Vietnamese soup, uh, you know, kind of what goes, who's the people, what goes into it, all of it. And, uh, 
he has a lot of great questions from that. So it's fun. Yeah, that's really awesome. I love that. Um, we, I, I love, uh, I love folk too. So uh, what advice would you give to someone who wants to follow in your footsteps? Just do it. You know, uh, I, I, between liking and trusting it's, uh, and I shared this earlier in the call or being interested in something and experience it, uh, you know, money's going to move. And I think particularly there's a great benefit now to much like my comedy tour, which I didn't know at the time that you can put a little and learn a lot. And, you know, for my left brain folks out there, you know, particularly if you're a bit older, it's, a uh, you know, choosing to be stuck in a CD or a bond fund versus in real estate that legitimately, especially if you're strictly W2, could mean a few more years that you're working versus retirement. Uh, so, so I do think it's a serious thing to, if you are going to get into it, consider if not, and you know what, don't and gain all that time back for your headspace and, you know, everything else you want to do with yourself. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. And I think even if you think some of the 50% IRs are, you know, how could that even be possible? Um, there's things that are 6% that people can tell you with pretty high confidence that, you know, you will be getting this and um, the risk is fairly low and uh, it's even better than keeping your money tied in a bank, especially in inflationary time. So um, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And uh, since I put you on the spot with these lightning round questions, I want to give you a chance for a revenge. So um, feel free to ask me anything you'd want to know about me. Ooh, okay. Uh, so what are you going to do when you graduate? Meaning like the first few weeks after, what's your graduation party? <laughs> My graduation party? Yeah. Um, well, I'm hoping to have a, I don't think I'm going to stay in New Orleans for my, the rest of my life, but uh, um, I really enjoy being here now. So I'd love to have everyone who I love come down and, and spend some of oh, some last time, uh, some last times in New Orleans with me. And um, I think that that would be pretty fun and, and, a, and a good time to commemorate my, my journey here so far. All right. Meditation or yoga? Um, I, I, I don't do yoga. I don't, I mean, People, I don't really have like a meditation regime, but I realized that I do actually spend a lot of time meditating. Um, it's not on doing any like certain breathing exercises, but I, I like to, you know, take a second and try to take my, try to be the consciousness that's, that I am, you know, try to like get out of the internal head and just, you know, experience life in pure existence as much as I can. So um, I don't know if that made sense and I'm, on, I'm new to the, on this journey, but um. Yeah, I like that. Uh, final one uh, for you. Do you feel that uh, your generation is going to travel internationally as much as, say, myself and your parents did, or really just hone roots and stick to the USA? Well, I, I do think that we're going to travel internationally. I might be biased. I just spent my last four months um, of the of last year in Copenhagen and also went around to maybe 10 different cities across the across Europe. So, um, I mean, seeing different cultures and even immersing in Denmark, like I love the U.S. and I did, couldn't imagine anything better. And Denmark is different and it's better in a lot of ways. Um, some ways it's not you know, exactly what I want, but like, there are places out there that are, you know, better for different reasons for different people. And I encourage anyone to 
try different cultures and immerse and, and learn from them because um, I'm a different person before I went to Europe. And um, the, what I've taken away is gonna change the trajectory of my life for the better. And I know that for a fact. So um, I definitely think that we should travel internationally. And um, I, I don't know who doesn't wanna go skiing in the Alps. So I think we will. Awesome. I love your answer. And I hope folks listening here, uh, you know, consider it. Uh, yeah, at all ages, too. I definitely think there, there's tremendous benefit. So uh, thank you for sharing. Great. Well, Dan, how can people reach out to you or, or find more information about, about you? Yeah, so LinkedIn is probably best. And please share that you heard it today with, with Ben and myself. Uh, a few things that may go in the call notes. I used to joke, if you can spell it, you can get it if uh, you feel compelled for rocket dollar count. Uh, D. Krasinowski, it'll be 12 letters. That'll get you, uh, you know, the max discount. And uh, I said rocketdollar.com slash learn is just a great base of everything self-directed. And I, I know we talked a lot on storage, folks can ping me. Uh, I said, there's also some good stuff on the industrial side too. So if that's of interest, uh, you know, let me know. Great. Well, I encourage everyone to reach out if they're interested. And um, it's a lot of good good knowledge to, to be had. And, and Dan, it was a pleasure to meet you this weekend. I'm glad we, we got to do this so quickly. And um, I look forward to a long friendship with you and, uh, and chatting many times in the future. So thanks for, thanks for coming on, onto the show. And um, everyone, thanks for spending your time with us. Here we go. All right. Great. Bye-bye.